Hey, this is Ronnie Altit, CEO and founder of Incentra. This is the podcast version of our show, The Download. The video version has more bonus material in it, so go and check out the videos at incentragroup.com where you'll find this episode and many more. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Incentra Download with your host, Ronnie Altit. This is not your average IT podcast. It dares to be different. Find out what's happening from the best in the industry. Thanks so much for listening. Good afternoon for you in Atlanta, Georgia. Today I'm joined by Kevin Goodman, the CEO and founder of FS Logic. So, Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you join us um, in our download this time around. How are you doing? Great, great to talk to you. Always a pleasure. I wish we were closer so we could spend more in time face, but it's great to see you. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, we've been working with you at FS Logic now for about uh, almost 18 months now. Um, and we're sort of really enjoying our relationship, being, bringing your solution sets out into the Australian market. Tell me, you know, tell us a little bit about you, Kevin. Tell us a bit about your history and, and FS Logics. Okay, so I know you were thinking I probably dyed this hair gray. I, I, I know that's what you're thinking, but the truth is I've been around for a long time. Um, but most recent ancient history is uh, I was in a startup called RTO Software, and we did stuff in the Citrix world, ended up exiting that. Right before we sold that business, we ran into um, uh, OEM agreement we had with Symantec. And that will play important later on when I tell you about FS Logics because that's where I met my co-founders. So I've been doing this for a long time. Before that, I wrote books. So I wrote the book, Windows NT, a developer's guide, uh, programming manuals. Before that, my career was an uh, engineer. I worked as a programmer. So you came from working on the tools to going and working in a large vendor to then deciding with a couple of other people to start FS Logics. So what was the brainchild? What, what sort of inspired that? So, you know, when you're running a company like RTO Software, you're pretty much used to calling the shots and you get into a larger company during an acquisition and what happens is you find out you're maybe three, four, five people away from the guys that are calling the shots, especially when it's such a big company uh, as this one was. Um, it's a little frustrating. Uh, it's also um, tons of smart people and any one particular plan would probably work. But um, in that particular case, it wasn't my plan. And I was convinced that what we were doing here at FS Logic was the way to go. I ran into Randy Cook at a VMworld, and that's my co-founder. And he said, if you ever leave, drop some breadcrumbs because I will follow you wherever you go. And I've got some engineers that want to go as well. And we did just exactly that about two years to the day after I um, uh, sold RTO software, I left and, Maybe six months later, I took some time off. Six months later, um, started up FS Logics with Randy, 
and Jeremy Uren and Brian Mann, um, other guys from Semantic, the four of us started the company, gosh, I don't know, 2013, I guess it was now. Wow, okay. And so tell us a little bit about the journey, you know, so it's now sort of four years in. You've had some initial products, you know, where you were working a lot around the application virtualization space, and that's what I think, you, you know, you were thinking you could do better. And you've just, you know, recently, and it's not even recently now, holy crap, it's, I think it's like almost... 12 months now that you released the Office 365 containers, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so in general, and I was a firm believer in this, in 2010, I thought everyone on earth should be on a virtual desktop. And I worked for a company who felt the same way. And before that, I had OEM software to Citrix who feels the same way. And in 2010, those desktops weren't exactly prime time. We had a lot of issues. Um, along the lines of, you know, USB support wasn't the greatest, um, you know, unified communications wasn't what it was today and stuff like that. But I still felt that that was the way to go. So um, when we first started, and if you go back and look at this history of virtual desktops, you'll see one of the guys that's on our board, Tim Mangan, had a company called Softricity Softricity was built to make your applications, ended up as we know over at Microsoft, to make your applications be able to be streamed down into your session. And part of the reason for that was software back in those days and, and the storage, it was very, very expensive. So you went out of your way to save this space. The, um, one of the products that became View Persona was a just-in-time file system. So let's do profiles without putting any data or as little data as possible into the user session to save IOPS. Well, as time went on, we had the Atlantises, uh, the Nutanixes of the world, Pure Storage of the world, Tintree, all of those guys recognized a, um, uh, you know, a gap in the marketplace and filled quite effectively. So storage isn't as expensive as it used to be. Well, we were still building same things the old way. So FSLogix came in around and said, hey, now that we know storage is cheap, how could we fix that? And one of the first products we came out with was apps. FSLogix apps allows you to build a big base image and then based on, and we call it filtering, but based on your user or group that you're in, We'll filter out the applications that don't belong to you and only allow the applications that, that you're authorized to use. So all of a sudden you build one base image, especially for something like Citrix and PBS. Um, it's a very tightly coupled right there. You put that one image out, stream it out to all your Citrix servers, and no matter where the user logs in, he gets his correct application. Um, we've added some other stuff to that, including per device licensing, um, to get Microsoft's blessing on that with respect to, um, you know, licensing, making sure the applications are licensed to the users and stuff like that. But, um, you know, that was our first product, and that was the reason we started FSLogic right there. You asked about Office 365, so as time goes on, you know, FS and FSLogic stands for file systems, right? So I have at my access now some of these guys that know the file system better than anybody else out there. As a matter of fact, if you go back and trace their history, you're going to find out it goes back to the Microsoft and Novell guys, and they work with guys that are now working on Microsoft's file systems. 
So these guys learned correctly from the best way back when. So we were thinking, you know, one of the other problems that is stopping, and keep in mind now I'm still trying to get everyone on earth to go to a virtual desktop, right? What's stopping them? Well, now that you solved the application problem, now it's your data. So what can we do about the data? So we came out with our profiles product in which regardless of the size of your profile, no matter how big it is, it logs in at the same amount of time, right? It doesn't, it does, it's not bound by any big files that are in there. It's not bound by how, the number of files you have in there. And that was a departure from some profile systems before that. The profile systems before that all relied on subject matter expertise. Hey, I know my application. I know what files it needs. I know what registry settings it needs. So I'll program that right into my UEM and voila, I'll be able to have a lean and mean system. You know what, system administrators don't have time to do that anymore. So we figured out a way with the profile containers just to attach, use it the way you've always used it. Well, some of those systems are pretty well entrenched. You have some users that just said to us, hey, like Citrix UPM, I just spent a year getting it working. I can't rip this out. My boss will just sack me in an instant if I say, hey, you know all this money we just spent? Hey, like if I went to you, Ronnie, you know, we just spent the last year doing all this stuff. Never mind. I want to rip it out and do something else. So that's where the Office 365 containers came from. I already have a profile system. I'm married to it. I can't get rid of it. But that system does not work for Office 365. So the containers now layer on top of your existing profile system. Works really well with the FSLogix one, of course, but it, it, it layers in there. And what happens is you can use that now and get it even no matter what profile system you already have in place. And so, and, and the real value proposition of the Office 365 containers is really making it like real-time access, right? As if there was no virtual desktop in between, search is available, you know, yeah, so think about this. The, the guys that write the applications, and I used to be a developer, when I write my application, I just assume for a Windows app, we all assume that we're writing to a local hard disk, right? So if I'm the guys over at Outlook and I'm writing to an OST file, I optimize it based on that. As a matter of fact, back in the day, Microsoft used to say, hey, um, don't even put that on a network drive. Well, How's that going to work in a virtual desktop where I want to have a non-persistent desktop that I get a brand new desktop each time? That doesn't leave me with any options other than putting it somewhere on the network. And there are some recommendations. Of, you know, if you Google Citrix, it'll tell you, oh, keep anywhere from, I think it says three months of your data. There's one way to solve the problem <laughs> um, is to work, you know, um, Use yourself at your own peril. We know from all these customers we talk to that email is mission critical these days. And hey, I have a 50 gig mailbox. Why? Because that's the default that Office 365 used to be. And if someone came to me and said, hey, we're switching systems and we're going to have to cut your mailbox down, and now all of a sudden you're only going to be able to have a five gig mailbox, which means three months of worth of data for me, I think I'd complain. And you know, when users have a right to complain for those exact reasons. They're trying to get their job done. They don't really care about how you're trying to save money. So that Office 365 container, um, a 
applies the same principles. We don't care where you store it because of our caching mechanisms that we use. It could be in your private data center, and or it could be up in Amazon, or it could be up in Azure. It doesn't matter to us. We make Outlook think he's talking to an application that's local. We make OneDrive think it is local. And when those applications are local, they work better. For example, OneDrive doesn't sync over a network connection. Um, variety of reasons why not. As a programmer, I could go into the exact reasons why not, but it doesn't sync over a network location. Um, have over on Zena, have um, situations where you're trying to do search over a network location, and it's just not going to work. You have to make that application think it's local. Once you do that, then things just naturally start working. Now, I could put it up on the network, but you also get a couple of other things. The applications, because they think they're local, um, that enhanced um, protection mode, you can't open up an attachment and immediately start editing it. Like in Office 365, like in PowerPoint, Word, Excel, you'll see that, hey, this came from an outside source. Click this button to enable. That doesn't work if you try to save it to a network drive. What ends up happening is you have to do right-click, save attachment, save it to a local drive, and then so all kinds of stuff that you didn't anticipate as a system administrator happen when you try to do unnatural acts with applications and their data. And that, in a nutshell, is what FS Logic solves. Fantastic. So let me just sort of summarize that and play it back to you. Really what FS Logics is really focused on is the end user experience and making it so that you can run what's now becoming very ubiquitous being the Office 365 suite of not just mail, but also OneDrive and you know, file stories and search and, and, and those types of things. What FS Logics enables that to do is to take that experience that would otherwise be somewhat slower in a virtualized environment and make that appear like it's local and feel like it's local and perform like it's local, ultimately with a view to increasing end user experience. Is that a fair summary, Kevin? That is an excellent, I couldn't have said it better myself. I might add one item in there, Ronnie, and that is because uh, just about everyone in our company has been there in that system administration role at some point in time. That guy, we're also looking out for him. You can't take, you know, he can't have to do unnatural acts to get all this stuff working because human beings, especially today, we're busy, we make mistakes. It also has to be simple for the administrator Otherwise, he just doesn't have the time to implement it correctly. Fantastic. All right, so it brings efficiency into the actual administrators as well. So it's a win all around. That's fantastic. So Kevin, just to shift gears a little bit, we, um, you know, we work together as two organizations. We've partnered very, very closely. I think I've mentioned to you before that FS Logic, from our perspective, has been a wonderful organization to partner with because you guys truly understand partnering. Can you maybe play back to me what it is that you would look for when you when you partner? What does partnering mean to FS Logics? So um, I'm going to use the term. I, I, I use this internally. Don't confuse this with virtual desktops. But FS Logics wants to be a very big virtual company. I cannot do this on my own from Atlanta. I have to go find. Just like I've gone out there and found what I think are the best people in the industry to work with, I have to do that with partners as well. I don't know your market, Ronnie. I don't know that location. And, and look at it. 
you know the future because it's already tomorrow where you're sitting, right? <laughs> I'm still sitting here in yesterday. I am depending on you. So we go out, we find people just like yourself who know what they're doing, have proven it before. And and, and I know you have the same philosophy because I know the guys that work with you. I've, I've met all of those guys. And you go out and hire the, the best as well. And, and then... I think partnership means letting each company do what they do best. We let you handle that. You've come back with many suggestions for us that said, you know, if you really want this to work, you should change this or you should think about that. And that, that's invaluable to us because I, I can't be there in your shoes. And, you know, and, 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 and vice versa, I have to provide you a product that the customer needs it's very symbiotic. I, I really like the relationship, especially the one we have with Incentric, because you have such great people, um, which is a compliment to yourself. And we've spent, we sat down and we broke bread together, and I believe we're two peas in a pod. Absolutely. We certainly have a very similar outlook on what it takes. And, and you're right, you know, I, I take credit for a couple of things at Incentric, and one of them is hiring really well. You know, because I think that that's really important to hire them, hire the right people and then to care and nature and you know, nurture and feed those people really well is the next other step, right? Um, other than that, they do all of the work. They're the smart guys, right? Like I'll just make sure I hire people way smarter than me. Um, and, <laughs> that's what it's, and that's not so difficult. Um, so, you know, Listen. Given, <laughs> given what you do, right, and, and talking about, you know, there are some people that will be watching this that are very technical, so without getting too technical, um, when you look at your, what you do with app streaming, if you like, or the, you know, the way that apps are delivered with FSLogix and, and what you were referring to before, how does the Unidesk acquisition by Citrix impact you as an organisation? Um, so um, I think it impacts us in a, in a couple of ways. So one, the Unidesk is great for building images and FSLogix doesn't get involved with building the images and combined we're very synergistic because FSLogix is very good at isolation so our customers use us we have a, um, uh, an example let's say an architectural firm that is using Autodesk Revit and these days Autodesk Revit is sold um, a base application with an billion plugins and those plugins are licensed per user so we can provide you with the shading and 3d modeling you know provide her with the lighting and provide me with a couple of other uh, modules all inside the base image so the benefits you get with unidesk is you can publish all of those plugins into the base and let FSLogix filter them out this goes for all kinds of Java and other things like that. That type of isolation is um, something you don't see in Unidesk. So it's very, very synergistic for that reason. We have a lot of customers using Unidesk and using us as well. Fantastic. That's really so. You know, yes, they're similar products, but one takes the other. So what FS Logics does, I would say, is takes Unidesk and puts it on steroids. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, really great. Um, speaking of really great technical guys there, so we've we've um, sat down. There is a conference in Seattle called Bugfest, and the idea behind that is you, everyone who writes one of these um, file system drivers, together in the same room, 
and you make sure you interop. So they put us all on one machine and then just run these acid stress tests on it. So we got to meet Unidesk guys there just prior to the acquisition and we can see how good those guys are. So we got the added benefit of sitting down next to them, making sure our products interop with each other and, um, you know, um, getting some ideas of how we could improve or how they could improve and stuff like that. So it's, it's, we've known them from, you know, and worked with them since prior to the acquisition as well. Well, it's all that, yeah, the IT community is, is small and tight everywhere, right? And I think that's probably a perfect example where you get two organizations that otherwise may have seen themselves as competitors, realize that they're not competitors, realize they can work together and then want to do everything they can to interoperate with one another. I think that's an outstanding story in itself. You know, that to me is yeah. a different kind of partnering, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, Citrix has uh, um, places they do things great. And the only downside that I see to the Unidesk acquisition was they were very, very valuable in non-Citrix markets as well, which kind of, you know, took them out of that mix. So we don't get that benefit on some other platforms. So we work on a lot of platforms. We don't get that unit as benefit on some of those other platforms, unfortunately. But, hey, that's the nature of startups. That's what happens to them occasionally. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I mean, obviously, at Incentra, we work very tightly with Citrix. And so we spend a lot of time talking about it as FS Logics relates to Citrix. Um, you know, we also do some work with VMware. We do some work with, with Hyper-V, et cetera. And that's, I think, the other thing about FS Logics is not just a Citrix solution. Um, you know, it, it's, it's equally possible to use, to use FS Logics otherwise, right? Exactly. So, you know, fast forward to today, or in your case, tomorrow, but you know, bring up to speed here, and what I found out is, um, I believe Gartner, when they say 50% of the people will be working remotely, say, by 2020, think about that, that means 50% of the people will be still working in an office, and you can't let those guys out of the equation as well. So our software works whether you have a physical desktop, whether you're in a private data center like a VMware or um, a Citrix, or if you're up in the cloud, like in an Azure AWS, we allow, just like you said, we allow you to mix and match. If you think Microsoft told us um, at the Windows 10 launch that there's a billion um, corporate PC licenses out there. All right, so if you say Citrix and VMware maybe have 150 million of them, that's a significant number. They also told us that the average size hard disk is 300 gig. Well, I got a question for you. How do you fit a terabyte of OneDrive storage into a 300 gig hard drive? Well, you do it with FS Logics per se. Since we can make everything local, you can store that in your private data center, you can store it up in Amazon, you can store it up in Azure uh, without having to go through a full PC refresh. What if you wait until next year to do a PC refresh and you're and not going to Citrix, let's say. This is a nice stopgap for you. In the meantime, because our data can go between any of these systems, if you migrated from your physical PC to Citrix next year, your data would all go right there with you. Or if you decided to skip the private data center and go straight to the cloud, your data would go there. And then we know this is going to happen. We've seen it happen. If you're up on one of the clouds and the other cloud offers you a tremendous break in price, you want to be able to go over to that one without having to rip and replace or, or copy. And we can do that for you as well. 
Right, and that's because yours, your data is sitting cached, it's easily accessible, it's ubiquitous, it doesn't really care. Exactly, exactly. And underneath the covers now, you know, it's amazing how hard, how much hard work we had to put in this to make it look this easy. But underneath the covers, we're doing the Amazon S3 stuff, or we're doing the Azure stuff. And um, the end user, again, that administrator, all he has to know is how to point it to what location. We don't want to make him have to learn all of that stuff. It's wonderful. So, tip, you know, what, what we can hear here is that over these, you know, the past sort of four or five years, FS Logics has continued to be innovative. You know, is there something you can share with us about what you're looking at in the future? Is it all still closely guarded secrets at this point that you don't want to share? So I can give you some, for instances, of problems that need to be solved, and FS Logics is keenly aware of these. Um, the um, maintenance, or a better word would be administration of all of this would be nice if you could look at it in one location and it would tell you, hey, I've got some of my storage up in Amazon. I've got some of my storage over in AWS. The rest is over here on my SAN, which is in the private data center. And then it would be also very nice to configure that and make sure it's backed up properly. For example, I, um, I have one other item that we haven't addressed, and that's about a physical laptop. How do you take that offline when you're tying your data to one of these private data centers or to Azure, Amazon? So maybe we got an answer for you there too that you might see in 2018. That actually might be a nice Christmas present we send out for everyone there too. Because we want it, we now realize that no solution fits all. You know, the customers are, are even the ones that are full blown, I love Citrix, still have some physical and are thinking about the cloud, you know, or, you know, VMware guys who have been happy with that and it's the perfect solution for them everywhere, except maybe here and here and here. We want to be able to handle all of those for the customers. Fantastic. So that's good. So it looks like there's some more innovation on its way out. Watch this space. It looks like there's some exciting announcements that are going to come out of FS Logics yet again. <laughs> You've nailed it a number of times. I'm sure you'll nail it again, Kevin. Um, so let's just um, let's talk about what I like to do when we're having these discussions. Is share, you know, a share a little bit something a little bit quirky about you. So I'm going to ask you a question about that. But also, you know, to share a little bit about you know some of the ways that you learn and you know, books you might be reading, et cetera. But before we get to that, so you can have a bit of time to think about that one, tell us, Kevin, what's the craziest food you've ever eaten? So, I, I'm not that crazy. So, you're going to find out I'm actually pretty boring about that. I mean, you know, I think this morning my wife said, you know, sausage link or patty, and I was going, oh, I'm feeling, you know, my oats today. Let's go with link, damn it, you know. I'm alive. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but the truth is I do travel. So I've had elk. I've had gator. You know, if you live in the south, you have to have gator. You might not think this is exotic, but I have had kangaroo, which to me reminds me a lot of beer. I don't know if you've ever had venison in the United yeah. States. So, you know, I try something new everywhere we go. Um, but... In general, though, I'm pretty down-home, boring guy when it comes to food like that. <laughs> Fair enough. So what about what about reading? You know, what are you currently reading? Oh, so let me tell you, I, um, I have a 
ton of books on my Kindle, okay? I have uh, every new business book. I'm interested in it. Um, I'm not saying I get through all of them, but I try to, to look and see. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm reading right now is Nonviolent Communications. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I think his name is Rosenberg. Um, it's a new way of thinking. Um, let's say for a CEO, it might be the opposite of my way or the highway. How to communicate with your people without putting them on edge, without having hurt feelings, how to get your points across, how to let them get their points across. Very very, very good book. Um, uh, so that's one I've been actively reading. Um, but if you looked on my Kindle, you'll see a who's who of all the great business books. I actually have a physical book as well that I was just given. I went to a conference. It was from AHA to All In. And it talked about an entrepreneur who had a gem of an idea and then actually made a company out of it. And um, for folks like you and I, those ideas come pretty easy. The hard work is actually making a company out of it, and then even harder work to make a successful company out of it. So that's another one right there. Okay, fantastic. And if you know you've, you've had a lot of experience, you've built companies before, you've worked in large organisations, you've been a hardcore programmer, you've you know you you you're probably quite exceptional insofar as very. It's not so often that you see someone that's a hardcore dev. Um, particularly right down at the FS layer as well, into the file systems who ultimately builds a successful business, sells it to a large organization, starts another one. So that's already quite special in itself. And through that experience, no doubt, Kevin, you've had you know a number of different things that you've learned along the way. If you could give some of the leaders on our, you know, who are watching and listening to this, three tips of you know, what would you do um, if you could implement these three things throughout yeah. the interview, what should they be? Okay, um, let's see, all right, here. Just number one piece of advice, be decisive, okay? And let me go into that, all right? Sometimes you don't have all the information. That's no excuse not to make a decision. Sometimes you have to go with your gut. But on the other hand, and like at FS Logix, we run this company by metrics. Um, we go and find the data and I will tell you, so yes, be decisive. But if you make decisions without looking at the data, by the way, and go with your gut when the data is staring you at your face, that's a mistake. So be decisive, but make sure you get the information. And when you don't have all the information, sometimes you have to make a decision. Um, you know, I, I would say that was the number one thing. Um, did you ask me for two or three or what did three. you Three. All right. Next one. And you're going to, you're going to, um, nod your head at this one. Have a sense of urgency. Let's do it. it you know, I don't want to hear that, you know, we didn't have time for it. We didn't have the energy for it. If, if anything, my job at FSO is make sure I put caffeine in the water, okay? Or figuratively, we actually have some people in the company who don't, who don't drink caffeine. But for me, let's do this because we have the energy. Let's not, you know, you have to do that. You have to be um, uh, decisive and you have to have a sense of urgency. All right, third thing, let's see. You have to have a plan that your team can execute. 
I mean, now that sounds simple, but we have a very simple plan at, at, at uh, FS Logix, and everyone is bought into that. You know, we're trying to make life easier for the user and the system administrator, and that lends you to so many creative thinking possibilities, okay? Here's some stuff we just realized that's holding these people back. Here's how we can fix it. They only have 300 gig hard drives, but they somehow want us to do one drive for them. Okay, now that you now that you have that simple plan, is that part of it? Yeah, that would be part of us. Um, you know, uh, I like to say that uh, innovation is solving a problem for the customer knows he has it. But you know, we're we're not out here to build you a better cell phone. Although if we did, the world would be a path toward door. That's not in our plan. So have a plan that your team can execute. Because if you go to engineers and Honestly, and I know you're, you're the same way, you're very persuasive. I could go to engineers and I could probably, I could get you know anyone from Citrix or VMware or anywhere else who worked with me, I could probably get them to commit to landing a man on Mars by next week with enough pressure. Mm-hmm. Is it smart to do that? No, you have to have a plan that they can execute. You know? If it's a plan you think you can execute, then that doesn't mean anything unless you get buy-in from the team. You have to have a simple plan that can be executed. Fantastic. Well, I think that, yeah, and I think they're three wonderful tips. So be decisive. Let me just give you my sort of take on that, which is what I say to a lot of the people that, you know, that I have in, in my team over the years. You can make good decisions, bad decisions, and wrong decisions. And I'm fine when you make the first or the third. Make a good decision. And a good decision is when you've got enough information, you know the information, you're like, yep, I'm going to go make that call. You make a call, it's a good decision. A wrong decision is I had all of the information. Maybe I was missing a little bit, but it felt right. There was nothing inside of me that said, don't do this. Most of me was saying, yeah, we definitely need to do this. If it doesn't work, that's a, that's actually just a wrong decision. A bad decision is when you know you shouldn't be making that decision and you know you don't have enough information. That's a bad decision. So uh-huh. go, and, go and turn that bad decision into a wrong or a good one. You know, that's the key. So I think that's awesome. Be decisive. Fantastic. I think as well, you know, in terms of um, your, your second one about come with energy, lead with some energy, you know, be, be excited about what you're doing. Do it with you know, a sense of urgency. Absolutely important. Nobody wants to have people in their business who are laggards and nobody wants to work with people who are dragging their chain, particularly in a high performance environment, right, which is when you're entrepreneurial, everything's high performance, everything's go, go, go. And I think your, you know, your last point um, about getting everybody on the same page is, is, is critical. You know, I think people, people work because they want to understand the purpose. Where are we going? What are we doing? You know, a lot of people sort of think vision statements are, you know, stick them on a wall and don't worry about it. You know, it's just it's up there. That's our vision. But you need to live, breathe that vision every day. Everyone needs to buy into it. If they don't buy into the vision, hey, you know what? You can go and get a vision somewhere else. This is what we're doing. And this is where we're going, and I want you with me. And if you're with me, and you see where we're going, you see you can make that difference and get us there. Hell, let's go. Exactly, exactly. See, that right there is why we partnered with you. Listen to how you talk to everyone who's listening out there. This guy knows what he's doing. See, I like that. That's why we partnered with you. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that having that synergistic thing and having that trust with one another is also what makes a big difference. And Kevin, I know it's Atlanta now. It's uh, 8.30 in the morning here tomorrow. So the future looks bright, I promise you. I know it's about 5.30 in the afternoon for you. And you, now you get to make the decision of what you want for dinner. So I'm going to let you have that discussion with your wife. 
Uh, will do. Absolutely. Such a pleasure talking to you, Ronnie. Thank you, Kevin. You too, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Incentra Download. If you loved it, please leave us a five-star review in iTunes so we can get more epic leaders on the show. Dare to be different.